Well, hey everyone. Welcome to episode 223 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen with your host, Matt Payne. This week on the podcast, I was joined by Danielle Hayden, who owns Kickstart Accounting. While Danielle is not a photographer, she is an expert in helping entrepreneurs think about and attain their financial goals. As photographers, many of us are independent creators and therefore entrepreneurs, but some of us are hobbyists who just want to take pretty photographs or express ourselves artistically. No matter which camp you find yourself in or somewhere in between, you will find some value in listening to today's episode as it will help you think strategically about your business or your hobby in a financial way. Daniel and I discuss many financially related topics this week that will help you with your photography, including budgeting, tax write-offs, money fears, transitioning from part-time to full-time, looking at numbers, and a lot more. Before we get started, I wanted to remind listeners that my good friend, Gary Randall, still has some workshop openings for his Alaska Photography Workshop. You could not meet a nicer guy than Gary, so I really think that you'll love going with him to photograph bears on the Kenai Peninsula. Check it out by going to gary-randall.com. Okay, let's get to the show. All right, Danielle Hayden, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me here. I appreciate it. This will be fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's always fun to... uh, to be able to pick someone's brain about something I don't know a ton about, and hopefully we can provide some value and some information to our listeners on a subject that they too may not know anything about. Yeah, it's it's a it's a topic that is near and dear to my heart. However, uh, I know how uh, difficult and like a foreign language this can be for other people. So I try to make it as lighthearted and fun as possible. Right, as, as as much as you can, I'm sure. <laughs> well, cool. So I think we kind of set it up there nicely. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what do you think we'll be talking about today on the show? <laughs> uh, so I am the, the co-founder of Kickstart Accounting. Uh, I founded the company about seven years ago. Our number one mission is to transform entrepreneurship through... Um, data analysts. That sounds like pretty sophisticated. Really what we're doing is helping business owners do do their bookkeeping so that they can then use that information to uh, know know their business, know their numbers, make better business decisions. And this doesn't have to be um, any, you know, it's not every large decision. It's all the small decisions that we make um, in 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 business, in finance. It doesn't even have to be in business, but all the small decisions that we make um, in in finance to help um, to help us transform and grow as individuals and and business owners. So our mission is to provide bookkeeping services uh, to business owners who then we can help arm them and be their partner to just knowing their numbers and transforming their business. Yeah. And I would say if you're a landscape photographer and you don't consider yourself a business person, or maybe you just do photography as a hobby, um, I still think there's probably going to be lots of information that we're going to talk about today that's going to be relevant to you because I feel like I kind of straddle both of those worlds myself. You know, I, I do have a business for my photography, but I still also see myself as kind of a hobbyist in some ways. So I think, I think we'll be able to help people in, in all realms of, of photography um, when it I comes to, yeah, when it comes to, you know, understanding 
how money plays a factor in our ability to do the things we love. I mean, let's face it. It fa- plays a factor in everything we do, right? Um, unfortunately, uh, it, it does play a factor in everything that we do. And really what I want to do is make it less complicated, right? So that we can be doing more of the stuff we want to be doing. Um, so we had to break that down, make it less complicated so um, that, that we can all make decisions. Um, so yeah, I think that there's a lot to unpack here, no matter what stage you're in. Yeah, 100%. Well, in my opinion... I've learned this kind of the hard way through multiple jobs in the nonprofit world, but also in my own photography business. I think that budgeting is kind of an important aspect of financial management and and how we live our lives to the fullest um, with money. So with that being said, how would you set a budget for spending in the upcoming year, whether this is your hobby or or photography is your full-time business? So I was just talking with a client this morning um, about this process. So I think that every budget should be set with the end goal in mind, right? What is your goal? And um, I, I was doing this process with a client earlier, and and we 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 do this this session called the planning session. It's basically you do a 12-month budget, uh, but 12-month budget sounds very corporate-like. And so we just call it a planning <laughs> session because that's easier. Um, and I and I said to her, I said, well, let's take a step back, right? What's our goal for this year? Like, what do, like where do we want to be? What do we want to spend our time doing? What what do we want to fulfill? Like, what, what If we got through the next 12 months, what would, what would you, like, what would make it a good 12 months? And she was like, oh, I'm going to have to reschedule this call for another day. She's like, I can't do all that. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? She's like, I have no idea. I thought we were just talking numbers. <laughs> um, but all of those numbers, start. they need to start with the end goal in mind, right? So where where do you want to see yourself? Like when you sit back on, on New Year's Eve, and and I'm using New Year's Eve as as just a date and time, like, because so many people reflect at that time, it it doesn't matter what the date is, right? I think we should be doing this um, more regularly anyway. But when we, when we think about the end of the quarter in three months from now, in one year from now, like what would make you feel really good? Uh, That, that needs to be the starting point. Now from there, we can start to set the budget and set our goals. There's so many different examples of this too. Um, you know, speaking to somebody who's maybe more at, um, thinking of themselves as a, a, a real true business owner, not a hobbyist, you know, it, it might be, you know, my goal is to really invest in, in my, in my business and in, in my marketing and advertising. And so this year you might be, be really dumping in um, all of the cash, you know, all of your cash reserves. Maybe you're not taking home a ton of money personally, um, and you're really investing all of the money in, into your business because you're building a brand and you are redoing your website and and create and creating that content for that purpose. But that's your goal. And so when you take a step back and you say, "Wow, this is how much money I've put into that," it makes sense because you were reaching your goal. Right. Well. And- Let's be honest, the um, money is really just one part of how you achieve your goal. And I think when it comes to the, you know, soup and nuts of it all, it's it's how you it's how you get started, right? Like you can't 
advertise without money. You can't uh, go on trips. You can't buy equipment. You can't upgrade things. You can't take lessons. You can't do so many things you need to be able to do as a business owner or even as a hobbyist without money. And so setting those goals, I feel like is a really great first step. Yeah. Yeah. Setting the goal and then working backwards. So um, I'm glad you even mentioned the, like the, the, the travel piece. So once we, once we have the goal, we can work back. Where do we need to advertise? How much is that going to cost? Do we need a website? How much is that going to cost? Do we need to hire anybody to help us with any of these pieces? What is that going, going to cost? Then where do we need to travel? What are the cost of traveling? What equipment do we need? So if you have a very specialized goal, like you know, maybe it's to travel someplace really unique and take really unique pictures. Maybe you need very specific equipment for that. And you have quite a bit of travel costs in that, or you could have a travel. And so it's important that if that's the goal is to get that, that really unique picture and that you've always wanted, um, you, you'll, you need to set all the steps to get there. And then what's the time frame to get there, right? Do I need to save for three, six, nine, 12 months, two years? <laughs> That's okay, yeah. whatever it is. But how long do I need to save um, and and build up the funding in order to be able to really hit that goal in a special way? Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because I, I specifically am thinking of a friend of mine who's probably one of the best landscape and nature photographers I've ever met in my life. But He's, he doesn't even own his own camera equipment. He borrows it from people every year. He only goes out and shoots once a year during fall. And wow. he borrows all of his equipment from somebody. And he's always, I don't want to say he complains because he's not that kind of person, but he's always lamenting like, oh, I wish I had my own equipment or, oh, I wish I had this or had that. And it's like, dude, you got to set those goals and like make steps to achieve those goals. You can't just... When the time, like a week before your trip comes, you can't like, oh, I wish I had this equipment. Like you have to start somewhere, right? And so I feel like setting those goals is like the first first step. Yeah. And then seeing yourself as a, as an investment, you know, um, I have found um, over the last seven years of this business and working with hundreds of, of, of people, right? They don't have to be business owners, people. Um, there's a fear around investing in yourself and investing in what you're doing. I don't know why, right? Like, I don't know if we're scared if we invest in it and then it's not air quote, not good enough, or I don't use it enough, or I'm not worthy, whatever. I have no idea what it is, but people are afraid to see themselves and their business and their hobby is a place um, that you can invest. And this might not be your story, right? You might not resonate with that at all. But there are people out there who don't feel like they can make that investment in themselves. Um, I had a business coach say to me, uh, money is energy, right? And and as I am taking my energy and, 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 and putting it into the world, um, investing it in other people and other things and other... Um, equipment and investing in it, it's coming back to me, right? As, as an, an exchange of energy. I'm not really woo-woo, but <laughs> <laughs> I, this is the one, the one kind of, um, the one thing that was said to me about money because, you know, you can grip on some money like, oh, this, this dollar, right? This dollar, this hundred dollar bill, this, this thousand dollars. But if you can, if you can loosen that grip and really think of it as an exchange of, of energy, um, it helps, 
think about the budget as not so daunting, right? Then mm-hmm. the budget doesn't seem so daunting. The investment doesn't seem so daunting. So um, I really like the way she kind of dispelled that. Well, and I think for most people, I feel like, you know, the more you invest in yourself, like if it's, there's a huge difference in investing $5,000 in yourself versus investing $100. And I feel like when you invest that 5000 okay, you, you like you just made a commitment that's significant and you're probably going to take steps to make sure that that commitment is followed through on. <laughs> yeah. You and know? it kind of shifts your mindset, you know, like, like I'm doing it, right? <laughs> like I, I'm, I, I'm doing it. I've, I've committed to it. Um, and it, and it, it, it shifts the whole, the whole mindset in the game from a scarcity mindset, uh, to, um, an abundance and a commitment mindset. Yeah, now, these are the types of conversations I've had to have with um, potential workshop clients who reach out to me for one-on-one workshops. It's like, yeah, it's a pretty significant expense to hire me one-on-one, right? But <clears throat> you're making an investment in your photography. You're making an investment in your future as a photographer. And that if that's something you value, like that's what I'm here for. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. Mic think- drop. And yeah, we should we should be willing to do those things if we want to take it seriously. I think, but um, okay. Well, follow up question to that is: uh, How does building a budget uh, build confidence and freedom for a photographer? So I think, well, this is coming from a planner, right? So I I I like to set a plan. Um, I'm I'm uh, I'm a runner. That's my my hobby, and. Um, I, I recently did a, a pretty big race. I did a, a Spartan ultra race. So it's, um, 30 plus miles, 60 obstacles, um, crazy craziness. I'm pretty covered sure my family covered in mud. Pretty sure my family <laughs> thinks I should be committed. <laughs> um, so that feels really daunting. Right. And so, um, you know, so, so I just, I just finished it, uh, back in June, but, but back in January, this felt like, wow, how could I ever get there? But mapping it out in the same way that you do a budget, right? Mapping that out, I had my end goal in mind. I knew exactly what I wanted to do and when I need when I needed to do it. And then I went back from there and I said, here's what I need to do today to get me there. And here's what I need to do tomorrow and next week and next month. And I let each small activity, each small change build upon itself so that I created the confidence so that when I showed up on race day, yes, I was scared out of my mind. However, I was able to, I was able to be confident enough to actually get myself to the the starting line. Um, but I think it's a good example, right? So it, by setting that budget and putting that goal at the, at the finish line, and then laying out all the activities that you need to do to get yourself there, as you start to achieve those small wins, you'll create the confidence. So maybe it's one small piece of equipment per month, right? Or maybe it's an installment payment or um, booking the travel, uh, you know, making the commitment to um, that training that you need beforehand, whatever it is by laying those out. And then by achieving them, you can slowly get that confidence so that you can show up for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, back in 2008, I made a goal to climb the highest 100 mountains in Colorado. 
And, you know, that's a fairly large goal, which, you know, obviously has, you can break that up into one mountain at a time. So there's 100, 100 chunks. But um, obviously, you know, I, at the time I was out of shape. I was kind of fat. I was drinking like a six pack of Pepsi a day. Um, I felt like I didn't have any time to do anything. And essentially what I did is what you said is I just, I set smaller goals for myself. So, you know, three days a week for the next month, I'm going to go up and down my stairs in my house 20 times. And then after I do that for a month, I'm going to up it to go up and down five days a week, 30 times, you know? And so, and then once I felt physically like I was, you know, my legs are in better shape now. Okay. Now I'm going to actually sit down and map out all of the mountains that I want to climb this year and the dates and put it on the calendar and commit to it. And to me, it's like, that's the only way you can actually accomplish your goals is if you break it down into smaller bite-sized chunks that are achievable. Yeah. And the momentum that you get when you have those small wins, I mean, go being able to say, okay, I, I said I was going to do that. I said I was going to, to achieve that. And I did. And now it gives me permission and grace and excitement, right? More importantly, excitement um, and the confidence to be able to get after the, the, the next one. Yeah. And I feel like you can apply that to money too, right? Like if I say, um, I really want to go on a trip to Iceland next year and that's going to cost me $5,000 or something like that. Okay. So if you're going to do that next year, you know, that means you got to start, you know, saving the money. Maybe you don't go to Starbucks every day. Maybe, maybe you don't, um, have your Netflix subscription or, you know, like you make sacrifices towards the things that you actually want to accomplish. And that's part of the, part of the budgeting process. Yeah. I mean, we could get nitty gritty and in, into it. Uh, so I won't drag everyone through all the accounting nitty grittiness, but, um, we had a client who we did something similar, like, you know, the, the, the Starbucks example that you, you use. Uh, we had a client who she wanted to go to a conference. It was outside of her, her normal budget of what she would allow herself to spend. Uh, and it also was going to require quite a bit of, of travel and time away from her business. So it was, it was a few steps in, right. That she needed to, to achieve. And so what we did is, um, we, we took a look at all the places that she was spending money today. And so, um, if you're a business owner, you can do this through, um, your accounting software. If you're a hobbyist, um, you can still go through and look at where you're spending money. I don't care if it's just exporting all of your transactions from the bank into an Excel file and just highlight them or say what is for your hobby, right? Or not hobby, right? Or, or even what you're doing personally. And so what we did with her is we said, all right, here are all the subscriptions. Um, because I think that I don't know, just people of the, you know, in 2021, right? We just tend to, um, I, I'm guilty of it too. We sign up for a subscription. We forget that we signed up for it. It's six months later and you're still paying $50 a month for a subscription you haven't used. Um, so we went through and we looked at all the subscriptions, all the places that she was eating out and the unnecessary travel expenses that she had. And we looked back over the previous 12 months and we said, if we saved all of that, would she have been able to afford to go? And she could have gone twice. Yeah. (laughs) So we committed to canceling all those subscriptions. And it was kind of funny because we do all our bookkeeping. And so I noticed they like new subscriptions were starting to creep in. And I had to say, hey, that's not 
that's not part of this goal, right? <laughs> Remember the goal is to get to that conference. So no new subscriptions either, right? So um, just you can't cancel Netflix and go to Hulu. You got to keep so everything I feel like off. everyone needs someone like you to like yell at them every time they spend money they shouldn't spend. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, just, what's that? What are you doing? <laughs> or just know that we're looking. So we have some clients who say, <laughs> I used to commingle my business and my personal expenses all the time, um, but they're like, I don't do it anymore because I know you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I think I feel like a lot of what we're talking about is kind of rooted in you know the emotion of fear, um, you know, fear of fear of spending too much money or fear of not knowing how you're going to pull it off, whatever. And I'm curious, how do you transform your money fears? To gain clarity. Oh, there's so much to unpack there. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, there's a lot of gurus out there that will give you a, a slogan for this, right? They'll say, know your numbers. What the heck does that mean, right? Like, <laughs> okay, great. I, I know what I spent last month. Now what? Um, it didn't help me get over my fear, right? It didn't help me either I'm overspending because of some mindset or I'm underspending because of some mindset. And so actually looking at the numbers didn't do anything for me. I need help understanding. Let's go back to the goal, right? So what's my what's my goal? What's my end goal? Why am I doing any of this, right? And then where am I spending money today? So taking that time to evaluate on a regular basis what you've been doing. Where am I spending money? Where am I investing in my personal development, my business development, uh, my hobbyist development, like what am I spending money on? Equipment, um, going out to eat, like we were talking about those subscriptions, right? Where am I spending money? And then asking yourself, why? Does it align with the current goal? Does it align with the objective that you have today? And then is it working for you? I think that's the piece that we forget. Like, is this working? We have so many clients that these are very, very intelligent um, individuals who are doing great things, right? They are doing amazing work. And they'll say to me, I'll say, well, why Why did you purchase that, right? Like, what did it align with your goal? Why, why do we have this? And they'll say to me, no. I didn't even, I don't know. I I heard that on social media, you know, <laughs> uh, my competitor or my my friend, my uh, somebody else in my industry was using this. And I felt like I was going to get left behind if I right. didn't have it too. Marketing success right there. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> And, and knowing that, right? And like, so how often are you even asking yourself like, hey, man, why did you buy this, right? Like, it, it, it doesn't have to be anything, you know, really, really profound, but, but taking a moment to say, hey, why do I really need this? And, right. and then once you can identify with that, you can start to think about what, what do I need moving forward? And, and that way you can approach future spending from a place of confidence rather than fear, I don't need this to keep up with them. I'm like, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do it without because I'm, I'm that, I'm that, that great at it, or I'm not that great at it. And so I actually need more support in this area. And so that wouldn't be the right purchase for me because I actually need more support because this isn't a strong suit of mine. And so I'm gonna go find somebody else, 
a contractor, a, a, a system or whatever it might be that can help me even more because I know that my competitor, they may or may not be good at that, but I know that I'm not. And so I mm-hmm. need more or less help. You know, it's funny, uh, over the weekend, I did a Facebook post, um, just kind of like a really generic one, like Saturday thoughts, um, wondering what photography goals people have, like, what are your goals in your photography? And I had like 180 comments from other photographers and overwhelmingly they were around, like, I want to enjoy my photography. I want to get out more. I want to make pictures that I'm proud of all of these things. And I, I mean, I don't need to like call anyone individually out, but I, I'm willing to bet that a lot of those people are probably buying more lenses, buying more cameras, you know, buying things that aren't necessarily going to help them achieve that goal that they have in their photography. And so for me, it's like, how do you align your spending with what your actual goals are? If your actual goal is to just enjoy being out in nature and being a photographer, maybe what you should spend your money on is more travel or or maybe you should just spend your money on trying to get away from the office a few more days out of the week. Mm-hmm. You don't need the equipment to to do that goal, right? Yeah, that's good. Uh, that's, that's really um, something that I've been thinking a lot about is this perfection paralysis. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I see it with people all the time, right? I need to buy all of the stuff. I need to research this. I need to know everything about it before I can go do it. And so it keeps you from just enjoying it. Um, you know, I'll go back to, to this um, brace example again, uh, because it's brand new. But, um, you know, I kept on going out, you know, my favorite thing is to just be in nature and, and hiking or running, but I compulsively will wear my Garmin. <laughs> Why do you need the Garmin, right? Like what you love to do is just to go out and enjoy getting outdoors with the dog and enjoying a few hours uh, on your own and in the, in the middle of the, and, and you, and I, I went without it one day and I'm like, well, it's not tracked. I almost considered going home <laughs> and getting my car. I'm like, oh, you've got a problem, you know? So, so getting out of the perfection paralysis, like maybe we don't need to do more research. Maybe we don't need the newest gadget. No, we don't need our Garmin to go out <laughs> for a hike. We don't need the latest and greatest equipment to go take great pictures. Uh, so I think you, you make an amazing point right there. Yeah. And, you know, lenses and cameras don't make a great photograph. The, photographer's vision, the way they compose the image, like that's what makes the photograph great. The the equipment's just the the means of which it's created, but it it has actually not that much impact on the final image, in my opinion. So, you know, align your spending with your goal, I think is the message there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, So (laughs) this is kind of a counter, counter question to what we were talking about, but should we just ignore our numbers? Like, should we just, you know, like sure, <laughs> throw their caution to the wind and just spend money on whatever we want and hope for the best results? <laughs> sure, we could definitely do that. <laughs> no problem. Um, look, I we over the years we've had so many people who come to us and say, um, "I've been ignoring this for a long time. Uh, I'm scared of what it has to tell me." I, I ignore it because I don't want to know. 
um, or I think I'm doing great and I'm afraid it's going to tell me I'm not, or I think I spent a ton of money and I don't want to find out it's even more than I thought. Look, we all have a million and one reasons of why we're ignoring knowing that. Um, in my opinion, I think it goes back to third grade um, when you got a report card and you were afraid to take it home to mom or dad and you were going to, you know, pass or fail. Um, and you had to take that grade home uh, to your parents. And if you didn't do well, you were grounded and punished and reprimanded. And I think that we carry that into adulthood. Um and, and we see looking at our finances as a measure of worth or a measure of how we did and what our performance was. And then we take that and have that same emotion around it. Um, so, you know, you couldn't avoid the report card in third grade. And so <laughs> as adults, I'm sorry, we don't get to, we don't get to ignore it now either. So, um, you know, However, we can um, start to see our numbers as a measuring stick of progress rather than a measuring a stick of of worthiness or a measuring stick of of how good or bad we did or you know we spent too much and that's bad. If, if we can really just know what we did and and take that as an opportunity to learn and grow and move forward, like. Oh, double down on what's working, right? So maybe maybe you ran some ads and, and, and you're doing some advertising and it did really well. How are you going to know that if you never looked at the numbers? You might say, I spent all that money and I got nothing from it. But really what the numbers would have told you if you looked at it, that you closed a lot of you, that you you brought in money from that, right? And that could fund your next investment. And so if we ignore it, we never get the opportunity to double down on what's working and stop doing what's not working. Mm -hmm. Well, I would say most most people's experience with advertising on social media is it's not working. <laughs> but that doesn't mean you shouldn't try to make it more effective. You know, we we recently did a advertising campaign for a, a landscape competition. Uh, landscape and nature photography competition that we started. And we grew our mailing list from zero to 2,200 in three months. Nice. Based on just, you know, Facebook and Instagram marketing. But the only reason we know that is because we meticulously tracked it and made tweaks to it and wanted to know what our ROI was. So I think, I think that what you're saying makes a lot of sense. So you don't ignore your numbers? <laughs> no, I personally don't. Um, but I'm one of those people that has a massive formula-based spreadsheet for all of my print sales and like what to charge and based on what medium I use. And yeah, so I, I, I don't ignore number. I'm a, I'm a numbers nerd. <laughs> good, good, good. And you don't need to be so. So somebody could hear that and and feel like I'm not a numbers nerd. So what do I do now? you don't have to be, right? So you just have to start wherever you're at. And so you might hear that and be like, ooh, I don't have any of that. And that's okay. Um, you know, that's that's there's that's why there's people to ask ask help or there's Google and, and YouTube and 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 places to find different templates and and whatnot. So um for anybody who is ignoring their their numbers and has no idea how much they spent in the last 
month, quarter, year, or doesn't know how to how much to charge or how much to spend in advertising. If you aren't if you aren't sure about those things, I just want to tell you it's okay, right? But don't continue to ignore your numbers. Start where you're at and start making progress. Yeah. Well, maybe that's a good uh, segue to talk about the three R's. So, can you tell us what are the three R's of finance? And how can these help us make better decisions? Yes. So um, the first step is to record. So this is going to mean a little bit something different for everybody. So you mentioned you have your nerdy spreadsheet of Excel formulas. Uh, other people might have a accounting software that you you're using QuickBooks uh, wave is the free version. Um, yeah, I use, zero. I use wave. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, great, great tool. Um, I want you to record the information someplace. So, um, talk to your tax account, but even if, if you're considering this a hobby, um, I still recommend you having this completely separate from your personal income so that it's easy to do the bookkeeping it's easy to know what you've spent your money on and then come tax time, it, it, it makes it really clean and easy to, to report accurately and, and, and get what you need for your return. Um, but I don't want to make it about taxes. So, but I want you to record it someplace. So whether that be your spreadsheet, uh, a Google doc, that accounting software, the first step is to make sure that it's recorded. Um, choose categorizations that that work for you. So when you record it into an accounting software, um, I would encourage you don't you don't have to use QuickBooks and Wave. They kind of shoot out some dummy accounts at you. It's things like office supplies and software. Well, thank you, QuickBooks. There are two different things. Is it an office supply or is it a software? Which one is it? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So when I go to look at this later, that's not going to tell me much, QuickBooks. Um, so 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 take the time to figure out where you're spending money. And then when you record it, record it in places that are going to make sense to you. So separate your supplies, um, your equipment. You might even want to get into a little bit more detail of uh, your equipment. Maybe it's lenses, um, you know, just all the different categories of, of equipment that you can have. Don't get too detailed oriented but enough where it will be meaningful for you. Um, another example would be advertising. So if you're running those ads, maybe you have a consultant who's helping you run those ads and then um, whatever software you're using to um, create your mailing list. Those are three different categories, right? Paid advertising, consultants, and then... So anyway, so I want you to pick categories that make sense for you and what you're doing. And so you're recording it within those categories. Yeah, and I think we'll talk about this later, but um, so no need to go deep dive, but it, it might set us up nicely for later. But I think that's actually pretty important in terms of tax implications and yes. you know how you can deduct some of those things um, on your taxes. But um, okay, so that's the first R, record. Yep. Um, and, and hey, before we move on from that, I wanted to throw out a little funny caveat. Uh, just... Um, I thought it was interesting. I was I was trying to rack my brain how to categorize. Like I have several um, cloud-based things that I pay for, like you know, for photo storage or for backing up my computer, things like that. And I was googling the heck out of it, and where I finally landed was calling it a uh, rental because you're you're renting space for your digital files. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and that's what like several accountants said. You could just call it rental space. I thought that was very interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> I don't know that I'd call it rental. I would I would probably break it into so if it's storage of photos, I have seen it called storage. Um, we we call that a lot of operations software. So um, things like that you need to run your computer um, or like op, your operations, like your back end. So we, we consider that a lot of operation subscriptions. So sure. it's the, it's the, um, that's why I, t- I tell people, make sure it makes sense for you. So I, I love this example. I did um, a bunch of speaking engagements for a, um, uh, it's another podcast host who who has a conference uh, for women entrepreneurs called Biz Chicks. And we had signed a few clients from it. So we were helping these clients with their bookkeeping and we'd, we'd send them their financials at the end of the month. Almost every single one of them told me that they considered it something different. <laughs> so one person said, no, that's advertising. No, that's networking. No, that's training. I consider that professional development. And I'm like, this is this is why everybody needs to talk to their bookkeeper, talk to their tax account, whoever's doing your recording or 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 on your own, make sure that it's a category that makes sense to you that can be then tied to your taxes because it needs to make sense to you. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So the first R is record. What is the next R? It is review. So you have to take a moment and take a step back and review it. So sometimes when we're in the weeds, we forget to take a step back and look at the, the picture. So we recorded it. Now I want, I want you to come back with fresh eyes and say, what is this telling me? Like, where did I actually spend my money? Does it align with my goals? Am I going to have to pay taxes? Do I have a profit? Or do I have a loss? Like, you know, take a step back and and really review that information. Um, I would love for people to do this on a regular basis, whether it be monthly or quarterly, um, whatever it needs, at least quarterly, at least do it quarterly. I love yeah. monthly, but at least quarterly. But um, take this take this moment to say, what are my numbers trying to trying to tell me? Um, step three is repeat. But I only want you to repeat the things that are working for you. So during that review process, I want you to look at what is working well, like what spending initiatives are bringing a return back to me. And I love that you said earlier, the ads that you ran didn't necessarily bring you sales today. They brought you um, email subscribers, which then once you run a few email campaigns, might turn into sales, but you have another set of metrics to 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 run and to analyze. And so, repeat the things that are working, getting you e- getting your um, email um, list building, um, building your brand, whatever it might be. Repeat what's working, and then stop repeating the things that are either driving you nuts, draining your energy, or not, not creating a return. Well, it's interesting because I think that those three R's could apply well to lots of different things, especially for photographers. It could be um, maybe other goals you have in your photography, like I want to make better pictures. Okay, so when you create an image, you know, record what you did in the field. You know, what it, what were your settings? What was your mood? You know, what were you trying to accomplish? Uh, review it later. You're looking on your computer. You're saying, oh, I messed this part up or this worked really well, but I don't like what I did here. And then repeat the things that worked well and don't repeat the things that didn't. I think you can apply those three R's across all kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
I'm going to just start calling it the three R's of <laughs> life. The three R's of life. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Well, we talked a little bit about it earlier, but um, this is something that I always, not always, but definitely for several years, I struggle with and is uh, what can photographers write off on their taxes? Oh, yeah. Talk to your tax accountant because they're the ones signing off on it. So. Right. Um, I always give that caveat first. Um, I have heard, I, I actually thought I had heard it all until we had a client come to us, um, about a month ago. Um, they wrote off a boat and I said, and I mean, it sounds cliche, but I'm like, Hey, what are you doing on the boat? Like she, she's like a multi-level marketing. And I, I said, what are you doing on the boat? Maybe they're, they own a fishing business. Right. So that might make sense. It did not make sense here. I think, I think it was a makeup that she's selling. So um, I'm like, hey, you know, what are you doing with the the boat? And and she said, um, you know, I take my family to the boat on the weekends. And I said, okay. Um, did you discuss this with your tax account? She goes, yeah, she's the one that told me to put the boat in here. She told me to link all my personal accounts here so that I can um, – uh, so that I can take these, these some of these personal expenses and and write them off, and I I almost fell out of my chair and I said, well, <laughs> and, and this poor woman what, right was just listen, listening to this tax account. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right now if if you have somebody who is if it if it feels like it's too far, it's probably too far, right? If you are. Um, I'm not saying you can't take your family, right? So maybe maybe you're you're um, you're traveling to a shoot, and your family is going to come with you, and you're going to spend time with them after. There's a portion of your travel that can be deductible. For instance, I'm going to a conference. Um, I will go out on Wednesday. My kids are meeting me out on Saturday. You know, Saturday and Sunday meals and and hotel that's not going to be written off. So I, I know I'm, I'm giving you a long-winded answer, but I, I want, I want to, to give that example because it's funny, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> I was and, hoping you were going to say something like, well, I take my clients out on my boat to try to convince them to buy the product. So then it's like that part of it, you could probably deduct, but yeah. anytime you use it other than that, no. <laughs> yeah. And it's still entertainment isn't fully deductible anymore. So right. Um, you know, again, if it feels like you're stretching, you're probably stretching. But I think what's safe to say is anytime, uh, I, I like to use this analogy too. So, um, if you're, if you're work, right. So you have a full-time job and they're sending you to, um, on a business trip to attend a conference, what would you expect them to reimburse you for, right? Your conference, your hotels, your meals while you're there, um, you, taxi use, rides. Yeah, taxi rides to get to and from. Um, so, so I like to use that example because it gives you something to to, to tie it back to. As so, it's not it doesn't feel so emotionally close. I hear from some business owners or hobbyists that say, "I don't write anything off because I'm scared." Please don't be there, right? I want you. If you are using it for your hobby or your or your business. It, it can be written off, right? The equipment can be written off. The travel can be written off. Um, there can be meals and mileage that that are written off. Um, so again, 
collaborate with your CPA. If you have a bookkeeper, collaborate with your, your, your bookkeeper. They're going to be the best people who are close enough to your situation. I hate the word. It depends. But in this one, really find somebody, look, at the end of the day, find a tax accountant or, and a bookkeeper who you actually want to call and then call them and <laughs> have that conversation. Yeah. It's, um, I found that to be one of the hardest parts of, you know, and I, I fell into it kind of on accident because I was perfectly fine calling myself a hobbyist, you know, and not, you know, oh, someone bought something from me for 50 bucks. Cool. I'll just, you know, it's like go out to dinner or something. But I had a pretty significant sale like 12 years ago. And I was like, oh, I should probably get a bank account to put this money in because it's different. And oh, I should probably think about taxes. And so I like, I think a lot of us kind of just fall into it on accident and then it just explodes from there. And then we're like, oh no, what do I do? It's like after the fact for a lot of people, especially if you're in a, like it's pretty common for photographers to fall into it being a like a more professional side out of the hobby than it is for people to be like, I am now a professional photographer. You know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of people just kind of like, oh, I'm making money. So I guess I should claim it on my taxes, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and I appreciate that. So, and we, we've, we've heard that story a lot. Um, I think a lot of people come into entrepreneurship that way. Uh, so that's not uncommon. And if that's where you're at, it, it is, it is definitely not an uncommon story. Um, if you are listening to this and you have not separated your business and personal and you are playing around with this idea of possibly selling anything, go separate it. This, this is your cue from the heavens. <laughs> go separate it right now before you get that first sale. Um, if, if you have the intention of ever possibly making money from it, it can be a, a, an expense in which you can write off. And so I want you to be able to enjoy those write-offs and that tax benefit. Yeah. Well, and interestingly, like my understanding and correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I think you have, you have to make, you have to make money like, like once every three years or something like that in order to be able to like, once every three claim years. It. yeah, I think that's, but that's a yeah. important distinction. It doesn't mean you're always making money. You know, it's some years you make money, some years you don't. But ideally as a business, we some years make you make money, money, some years you don't. Yes. I encourage you all to, to try it. Yeah. I would love, you know, I would, I would love to see everybody be able to, um, have that passion and be able to make money from it. However, yes, you are correct in the, over the three years you need to make money from it. Um, but as you're, as you're having these expenses and setting these goals by all means, um, you know, make sure you're taking these deductions. Yeah, because I think a lot of people have in their head, like, oh, I'll just claim my camera as a tax write-off. It's like, okay, now you're saying you have a business, and now you have to be able to show that you're going to make money. <laughs> yeah, separate it from your business, from your personal. It's the best way to start. And and I'm going to go back to that mindset shift. Once you separate it, it puts puts it in the right mindset, right, um, to be able to accept money um, and, and accept that energy and, and be able to spend money from this account. Um, so get it away from your personal. It, it will, it will make, it will make that feel, um, more real and, and it doesn't have to be in a way that's intimidating or fear-based, um, but, but separate it and think of it as a, a, a growth mindset in which you are investing in your hobby, in your passion and in your business. 
Perfect. Well, I will say one of the more awkward and or challenges, challenging aspects of that is having those conversations with your spouse, all right? Because you typically with your spouse, you share, I mean, not everyone does this, but you know, you share your joint account and all that stuff. And um, I found that to be particularly challenging. Like my wife would always be like, oh, how much money do you have in your business account? Like right, right now, like, and so I think that's another aspect of, of all of this that I think can create some interesting scenarios. What advice would you have for people around having conversations with their spouses in terms of, hey, this is my business account? Because, you know, it's like, yeah, I made X amount of money on a print sale. Isn't that awesome? And then the, your wife's like, great, when am I going to see that money? <laughs> yeah, like, so when well, are you transferring it? <laughs> I have expenses associated with making that money. And those, all of those expenses haven't been realized yet. So I think those can be challenging conversations, especially maybe if your spouse isn't totally up to speed on the ins and outs of your business and how it runs. So like, what advice would you have for people to have those kind of conversations? Yeah. Have the system set up to be able to show them what's going on in the business. So again, we hear this a lot with our clients, um, you know, my spouse doesn't take this serious or my spouse is expecting more from this. Um, how do I level set expectations? Right. We've heard, we've heard it all. And I think that the best way to alleviate that is to be able to say, here's the a system in which I am recording my expenses. Again, I prefer for it to be an accounting system. So you can say, Hey, this is my profit and loss statement, right? So here's where you can see my income, but now here's all the expenses that have gone into making that money. And if it's been over the three years we were talking about, so don't worry, I made money this year, but look how much money I spent last year and the year before. And so this isn't, this isn't free money. This is, this is, or even spending, right? We hear that a lot. Like, Hey, we're investing a lot of money into this hobby, into this business. I don't see a, a, um, I don't see the income coming back to the family. And so but to be able to lay out and, and say, hey, I'm taking this serious. I know exactly where my money's going. And you could really impress your spouse if you say, hey, here's my goal, right? And here's my profit and loss statement. And here's how it's, here's how it's going to align with my goal. Um, that's a that's a really that's a whole level, different level of a conversation. And so at least you can, if you're taking it, not, I don't want to say serious, but if you're approaching it with that level of, of respect, hopefully they can see that. Um, the other place is, you know, you, you might want to consider also, um, getting help, right? So maybe it's your tax account, uh, bookkeeper, um, don't do a family friend, um, and <laughs> uncle spouse, <laughs> um, but having somebody else to be able to say, um, and explain it to them, right? So here, that's another place that we see if your spouse doesn't, like maybe you, you recorded everything, you have it really nice and you print out this profit and loss statement and they're like, what the heck is this gibberish? Have somebody on your team who can help be able to interpret that information for them. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's good advice. <laughs> does, well, does, your, does, your, does your wife have a, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, last year was a very interesting year for me trying to explain to my wife, you know, some of, some of this stuff is, you know, tax, tax deductible. And so like my, I'm only getting be I'm only going to be taxed on, you know, this part of the, cause she was worried about taxes. 
Yeah. Right. And I had to explain like, well, it's, we're just going to, I'm just going to be taxed on this. Like that's a huge difference in a tax bill. Right. (laughs) Um, But like explain, and she didn't believe me. She's like, I don't, I don't believe you. Like, so like I had to like find a bunch of articles online that explained it and stuff. But yeah, I think it's, but you know, then you also build yourself an accountability partner, right? Like they're holding you accountable to that business and they're more invested in it because you've explained it to them. So I think there's lots of good reasons to do it, but it's not an easy conversation. No, it's not. Yeah. I, yeah. A lot of people in landscape and nature photography are grappling with the desire to transition from a nine to five job to going full-time professional. Um, and I think a lot of people are kind of stuck on like, how do I even start that? Like, what does that look like? Some from a from an accounting perspective, I'm curious. You know, what what do you think is one one thing that's maybe less obvious that people should consider uh, before um, transitioning um, from a more of a hobby to a to a full time career? Oh, what's less obvious? Um... I think the first step is to evaluate your risk tolerance and um, and allow that to help you set your goals. So I'm pretty conservative. So when I made the leap from my nine to five to Kickstart Accounting, I knew that I needed six months worth. I have two kids. Um, I knew that, uh, you know, I needed to be able to put a roof over our head, food on our table. And so I sat down and had to do my personal budget first and said, here's what I need. Here's what my kids need, right? Here's what my family needs from me. And then um, set, set out that monthly budget. Now, how many months of that do I want to make sure that I have a road, a roadway, a runway, if you will? Um, I, I chose that I needed a longer runway, not because I thought the business would do one thing or another, or that we would grow quickly or not grow quickly, but I knew that I didn't want to approach sales from a scarcity mindset. So for me, I needed to know I could feed them for six months. And so I could walk up to every sales call or every, you know, every opportunity for engagement with a potential client from a place of confidence where I, I would love to work with you, right? I would love to do your bookkeeping. This would be awesome if we could work together. I don't need to, right? Because if you don't pay me today, I can still feed my family. And, and so mm-hmm. I think this first step is to really take a step back and understand what your risk tolerance is. You might be thinking to, Jesus, Danielle, six months? I, I can't do six months. Um, maybe for you, it's one month or or three months. Um, but knowing that, and that way you can approach your sales and your strategies knowing that you have that confidence behind you. Um, and then how much investment do you plan on putting into the, into the business? Um, do you need, you know, we've, t- we've talked about equipment a lot, but, you know, if you're making that leap, to this being your business, how much are you going to need to put into advertising and the website and branding? And maybe you've already done all of that, but what are you going to need when you make that launch? And so you have your personal finances and then a business budget of what you're going to need to make sure that you can secure those sales. Um, and again, that's coming from somebody who's who's pretty risk ad- adverse. So um, yeah, that might not sing to you. Maybe you're like, I just want to, I want to jump, jump to it and and see where the world takes me. Yeah, I was gonna say six months is like the minimum for me. I think 
nine to 12 is probably my, my (laughs) runway. (laughs) Yeah. But we all have our, you know, I, I mean, I know people who have had nothing and then dump their entire life savings into it. So, um, you, you have to, uh, you know, you have to have that, that comfort level and, and, you know, and, and for, and for your, your, your long-term life goals, right? So 401k and medical benefits and, um, and really taking a step back. And I don't want that to scare anybody either. Right. That I don't want it to be like, Oh damn it. I'm never going to, I'm never going to be able to make this jump. Yeah. She's being too, way too realistic here. Um, it, again, I just want you to think of long-term, how long, if you're going to, um, for instance, maybe, you know, for the first three to five years, uh, look, I'm not going to have a 401k. I'm not going to save for my retirement. Maybe I won't have a retirement. Maybe, you know, I'm, I'm not going to think long-term. I'm just going to plan for today. I'm going to plan for this year. That's okay. If you, but I want you to set yourself up today to not have that for a few years. So I knew um, that I was going to be leaving my job for this business and that I wasn't going to have um, a, a retirement plan for a few years. And so I was able to um, invest more into that for a few years before I made that jump. That way I felt okay when I didn't put anything into it. I'm like, it's all right. I put stuff into it last year. You know, I could be okay with this. So again, just evaluate where you're at, where you're at. And so maybe that doesn't Maybe it feels obvious, um, but I, I've had people come to me. I've had clients come to me that said, "I did this. I jumped in with two feet. I spent all my four hundred one k, and I thought I was okay with it." Man, I wish I would have taken a minute to think: Am I am I really okay with this? Right? Like, how am I really going to get through the next year? And so, just taking that pause to really reflect on what you're comfortable with. Uh, I think that's brilliant. You know, one of the things that um, I, was, I hope you could speak to a little bit is, um, you know, there there is some comfort in having the the nine to five, the paycheck, you know, the, you know, you've got that coming in. And also for someone like you, you're not necessarily jumping from like, I don't know, like I'm working at a nonprofit and now I'm a photographer, right? You're like, I'm an accountant here and now I'm an accountant here, but I'm doing it my, for myself. And I think a lot of photographers are concerned that um, if they were to make that full-time transition, that they would kind of lose the passion or or get away from why they're taking pictures to begin with. And I think I'm just curious if, if you have any thoughts on that from a, like, I'm sure there's something about what you do in accounting, as crazy as it might sound to some people. <laughs> that, that you absolutely love, that it is just so much fun for you and you super enjoy it. But did you have any fears that that you were going to kind of lose some of the passion you had for the thing that you were getting into? Yeah, of course. Um, and this is real. Uh, you know, um, we have a lot of clients who um, lost their passion. Um, but for me, it was, why am I doing this, right? So when I was... So when I was working for corporate, um, I worked for medium-sized businesses as their CFO. And um, really what that means was that I gave financial data and reports to the board of directors, uh, investors, and the management team. And then we used all this really fancy information I gave them, and we made badass decisions to grow businesses, right? That's what we did. Um, and the whole reason I went into... Um, 
into Kickstart was because I wanted to be able to give entrepreneurs that same opportunity, right? Entrepreneurs don't have that same information. They don't have that same data and they don't have that opportunity to get somebody on their team to give them this really organized, timely information so that they can go make badass decisions and really transform and grow their businesses. And so for me, I have to remember, yeah, I'm doing accounting here and I'm doing accounting there, but really it's completely different. I'm, I am actually transforming entrepreneurship through what I'm doing. And that's, that's my why. It has nothing to do with accounting. My why is giving entrepreneurs a chance to really grow their business. And so I always hesitate to say this to people because it's, again, it sounds like so cliche, find your why. Everyone's saying that. But I like, but really, truly, honestly, what about taking photos really inspires you? What about that process? Why do you want to exchange money for this, this piece of art? Like, why do you want to, what about putting that on somebody's wall gives you inspiration, right? Like, why do you want that on my wall? Why do you want me to give you money for that? that piece of art. And, and that way, when you start to lose your, your inspiration, when you start to feel resentful, you can go back to why did, why did you want to put that piece of art on, on, on my wall, right? Like, why did you want to inspire me? Um, and, and I think that that will always help you. And the other piece of it is go back to that runway, right? The three, six, 12, nine months, whatever it might be, go back to your runway because, when you don't, when you operating from a place of scarcity, it's harder to stay in tune with that passion. When you're operating from a place of abundance and you know that you can feed your family and that you, you know, you, you, you don't have the security of your nine to five, but you're someplace in between. It helps you keep that, that passion alive. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? It totally makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, not to uh, make it too obvious of a segue, but I actually really would like to give you an opportunity to sell yourself more directly to the listeners, because obviously, I think you could provide some value to people that might be struggling with some of the things we've been discussing. And in order to do that, I thought it might be interesting, without you giving away all of your secrets on how this works, but you know, if you were to work with a photographer who's struggling with their business um, maybe their their finances are in shambles, or they're just they just don't know where to start um, from an accounting perspective. What would that kind of relationship? What do the nuts and bolts look like in terms of how you would work with somebody who who's listening? Yeah. Um, so our first step is to book a call. So um, every single person who um, wherever you're at in your journey. You might have you might be in this game for five, 10 years, but you still don't have the finances organized. You might be at day one and you don't have it organized or you don't know what to do next. Um, the first step is that we book a call. You'll talk to me directly. Um, and we'll talk about we'll talk about you. We'll talk about what you, where you're at. What do you, you know, where are your finances at today? What is your accounting processes today? What do you have in place? And what do you need? Right. So that's always the first step. Um, from there, uh, we, um, 
If you don't already have an accounting system in place, we'll create an accounting system for you. Um, we give all of our clients a QuickBooks uh, account. You don't ever have to log in. It's not something you need to set up, manage, or ever even log into if you don't want to. Um, we set up the whole the whole account um, for you so that it's customized to you, your business, and your thought processes. Because we talked about earlier. Yeah. <laughs> like, rent, rental might not make sense to you, but yeah. maybe storage works. All right. But if you come to me and tell me that Matt said rental, I'll know what you're talking about. <laughs> Um, so we, we set up the whole, the whole QuickBooks account for you. Um, you have, a, a, so I, I keep on saying we, I do have a team behind me. So, um, every single one of our clients has an account manager and a bookkeeper. Uh, that's really, really important because you have somebody who knows you and your business and your finances, your expenses. They know you pretty, very intimately. And, um, if one person goes on vacation, there's always somebody still behind, um, ready and waiting to, to help answer your questions. Um, and all of our team members have been trained like an entrepreneur. So they're not entrepreneurs, but they are trained to look at your business like an entrepreneur, not a tax account, not a bookkeeper and not a CFO, right? It's different because you as the entrepreneur are using this information to make business decisions. And so we set it up so that you can make business decisions. And then Honestly, it sounds really simple, but we take it over. Like we take over the bookkeeping, right? You go back to making money and 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 spending money, and we'll handle all the the behind the scenes. So, um, well, and then we're your accounting team. I mean, it sounds so simple, but questions arise. Hey, Danielle, is this tax deductible? We answer, and then you can choose whether or not to spend it from your business or your personal account. Um, I'm thinking about hiring. I'm thinking about building a website. I'm thinking about going on payroll. All these questions that you have that come up or, Hey, I was listening to this podcast and somebody said this crazy thing. Is this true? Right? So we're, we're just, we're just your team behind you. Um, and then what's really special. Um, so if you are a client, Matt, we would send you, uh, at the end of every month, this pretty email with all these crazy financial reports that look, like they're in gibberish, um, unless you love numbers and financial reports. Um, but the best piece is, is that we pull all this information out and we just tell you straight up in an email how you're doing and what you need to pull your attention to. And the idea is quick decisions, right? Like I want you to be able to know your numbers quickly and then move on, get back to taking pictures. And then we're here for you when you, when you need us again. So um, the other piece of this is I hate when when bookkeeping is all about taxes, but we will also make sure that you are ready and prepared for taxes. So there's no surprises. You have a tax estimate throughout the year, and and um, and you're ready for it. That would have been nice to have last year. <laughs> <laughs> what month is it? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, halfway there already. Whoa! Here we go. But that's a big piece, you know. People say that to me all the time, like. God, I got to December, realized I never looked at my books. I don't even know what my numbers are. I don't know if I have a profit. I never saved anything. And that's the biggest piece is like, if you're getting financial reports uh, from your bookkeeper every month, you can say, wow, I have a profit. All right. Now I need to go get that equipment. I need to uh, sign up for that training. I need to go to book that travel. And you can make business decisions so that you don't end up with this giant tax bill and, and surprised. Right. You had a really good quarter. Maybe you should send a check to the IRS for your estimated payment. Yeah. Or 
maybe we should put you on payroll, right? So you, if you continue to grow, you know, maybe it's time to yeah, throw out all the crazy terms, but become an escort, put yourself on payroll, hire, hire help, you know? Um, but a lot of, a lot of business owners, they're, they're scared of all those terms because they don't know how to make those decisions. And so imagine having somebody who knows your business that you can pick up the phone at any time and be like, Hey, does this make sense? Or tell me what to do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or like, Hey, I'm pretty sure if I spend this money on this thing, that it's going to actually save me this much money in taxes in a couple months. Can you verify that that's true? Yeah. Cause my wife doesn't believe me. <laughs> yes. yes. That's, that's another big one. Yes. If you're, if your spouse is, um, you know, pick a scenario. Um, I, I, I used to joke that actually marriage counselor was on our, on our business <laughs> resume <laughs> because, <laughs> You know, we hear all the time, well, my my wife was doing book- bookkeeping, my husband was doing my bookkeeping, and they're asking me all these questions and why I'm spending money here. They don't they don't have to be in there, they don't have to ask you questions. And then when they do have ask have questions, they they can ask us the questions, right? And and we can help arm you with the answers and help them understand so that you can be on the same side of the desk rather than uh, opposing sides. I mean, I feel like for some people that right there is worth Millions of dollars, so right, oh. <laughs> cheaper than uh, marriage counseling, <laughs> or, or divorce, you know, or yeah. divorce, yeah. <laughs> well, awesome, Daniel. So, how can how can people learn more about um, their services and get in touch with you? Yeah, uh, Kickstart Accounting Inc. is the is the website. Um, you, we have a five day uh, video boot camp. If you um, want to just learn more about accounting, that's there. Um, you could book a book a call with me. I'd love to just you know hear about you and your your business. Uh, it's calendly.com slash Kickstart Accounting. Um, come book a call. We'll talk about it further. See what makes sense for your individualized situation. Cool. Yeah, and doesn't just go for people that consider themselves full-timers. Maybe you're a hobbyist that is starting to ask yourself these kinds of questions about taxes and, and, you know, Oh, I I made a couple thousand dollars here. Like, what do I do now? That kind of a thing. There's no right place in this journey to ask for help. Um, you're not, it's never too early, never too late to, to ask, ask for help. So um, I would say hindsight being 2020 for myself, I wish I would have asked for help much sooner. Oh yeah. Personally. (laughs) It's the famous last words. I, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, awesome. This has been a lot of fun. And um, hopefully, not hopefully, I know people listening will have gotten something out of this. So just wanted to thank you for for your time and for, for the fun chat. Yeah, no, this was awesome. And if anybody has any more questions that, that, that you know, maybe you don't, not quite ready to book a call, come hang out on social media too. You know, uh, Kickstart Accounting is uh, Instagram. Um, we're always fun, uh, posting content there, tips and tricks, and you can come comment and ask more questions. Uh, we want to, we want to help you. So come hang out. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Well, thanks again to Danielle for the great chat on the podcast. I'm hopeful that our conversation will add value to those of you who have been struggling to think about the financial side of our craft. Even if you're a quote-unquote hobbyist, I think we covered some useful ground to help you out. But I'd love to hear back from you to hear what you think about that. Well, we have seen quite a dip in Patreon support lately, yet our download numbers are going up. So I'm not quite sure what's going on with that. However, I do know that only about 
0.5% of listeners support the show on Patreon. Hey, look, I get it. Uh, we've all got a lot of expenses. Housing's going up. We're all traveling. You know, things are tight. But, you know, if you can't afford to support the show, even $5 a month is huge. So please do support the show by becoming a sustaining member on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash fstop and listen. Thank you to those of you who already do. You're amazing, including our newest patron, Carl Gandolfo. Also, for those of you who are already supporting the show, feel free to send me an email with your thoughts on really any recent episode, and I'll be happy to read your thoughts on the air. I'm always looking for ways to help patrons, so if there's a way for me to help you out, let me know. All right, let's talk about what's coming up on the show. Next up, we have Chris Murray. He's a photographer from New York who has a wonderful black and white portfolio of quieter scenes. We also have Scott Wilson coming up. He recently battled stage four colon cancer and has been producing some incredible work of wild Mustangs. I've also already recorded with Jordan Ingley and James Rodewald, and I plan to record two more episodes this week uh, despite being slammed at my full-time job and trying to sustain my photography business at the same time. So thank you to everyone who's helping to keep this thing going. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. We'll see you next week.